0: Marvel Television has a big problem. It goes all out for the first two episodes out of six and the finale. Ms. Marvel follows this formula, and of all the shows, it's most apparent and ruinous here. Unlike Moon Knight or Loki, which, whose mid series drop offs, were disguised by an excellent cast or stylish direction, Ms. Marvel feels like two totally different programs smashed into one. When a new Marvel show starts, I'm always excited, but not since WandaVision has a Marvel TV project felt like TV and not an extended movie. The turn of the century brought with it a shift in the way teen comedies were made and presented. The John Hughes movies of the 80s and 90s gave way to teen shows, sitcoms, dramas, mysteries. The television landscape became the best, and pretty much only, place for stories about teenagers. While much of the MCU's core fanbase are long past being teenagers the age ratings for the content are generally 12 or 12A which implies Marvel are looking for an audience that is younger than they currently have. Thor Love and Thunder is a clear example of content skewing younger, but for teenagers like me for whom the MCU has been ever-present, I was three years old when the first Iron Man came out, the constant stream of Marvel content is a boon at times but also a curse. Marvel knows that its fans are passionate, and it keeps us in the loop, but a franchise built on adult male superheroes does nothing for bringing in new fans. So, when Ms. Marvel began, I was overjoyed to find that it embraced not only fans culture but teenage life and numerous other facets. It's proud of the fact that its characters are Muslim and doesn't try to hide from that or downplay it enough that any representation could be removed for the overseas markets. Ms. Marvel feels similar to the Spider-Man films, and yet in many ways the first two episodes are better than the Spider-Man films in so much as they create a fully realized world. Our central character Kamala Khan spends almost a whole episode introducing us to her family. Her friends, her culture, and religion in a way that makes her feel like a rounded and complete human being before she gains superpowers. Kamala's world is realized through her friends Bruno and Nakia, as well as her parents, brother, sister in law, and even her sheik. By creating such a diverse and populated set of surroundings for Kamala, the struggles she has are much more grounded. Instead of having to fight a superpowered menace, she has to hide her powers from her parents or deal with the fact that her friend Nakia hates superheroes because she lost her parents in some superhero related conflict. Once Kamala begins using her powers for good, she comes to the attention of damage control. The perfect villains for this kind of story. They don't have powers, they aren't a villain with defined motivations they are a threat going on in the background that moves the story along, putting her friends in danger so that Kamala has to save them. The focus is on Kamala's life and who she is as a person, it's a freshish take. On being a superhero as the stakes are small, and about a core group of defined characters. The Spider Man films often suffered because while Peter Parker did have a large group of friends, we never actually saw their goals or motivations. They were never in a scene by themselves as they existed for Peter alone. In Ms. Marvel, Kamala's friends feel as much like three dimensional people as she does. Bruno seems to have romantic feelings for Kamala and needs to balance them with a desire to go off to university. Nakia struggles with her own identity and wishes to reform her mosque. Kamala's brother is getting married. These conflicts have nothing to do with superheroism and yet are given time to exist which is something I've never seen in a superhero story. Through Kamala's superhero fanaticism and the grounded storylines of the people around her writer Bisha Kaya Lee creates an immersive story that for the first time made me feel that the characters on screen represented me and that I could easily become embroiled in a superhero plot. I think it's clear that I loved the first two episodes, and I haven't even mentioned the innovative texting, the subtle and overt use of color, the music, and the incredible acting from all of the young cast. Everything about these first two episodes was perfect I absolutely adored them. Episode 3 is half and half for me. I love the wedding scene it's bright colorful and embodies everything the show has been about thus far. And then Kamala is attacked by some people who claim to be from another dimension, and who are vaguely related to her. Suddenly the color palette becomes muted, the fun characters with arcs and motivations fall away and we are left with two and a half episodes of schlock. Kamala's powers come from a bracelet, and she goes to Karachi, her parents' homeland, to find out more. The dimension hoppers chase her there and attack her, they leave their British son behind because he's too nice to Kamala and then they all die. These episodes needlessly complicate Kamala's power set. I don't care how they work, I'm not interested in some dull boring villains attacking Kamala for no reason. I want to return to Jersey City and see the plotline set up earlier. The most egregious thing about episodes 4 and 5 is that Bruno and Nakia are almost entirely absent, their plot lines are put on hold while we run around a new city with new teens fighting crap villains. These characters aren't one of Kamala's classmates turned nasty or a local villain they threaten Kamala because of her powers and have no connection to the person beneath those powers. Why set up such a well-rounded character and then have a villain that bears no relation to it? The middle of the show feels so tonally different from the rest in much the same way that the cinematography of Eternals felt so different to the rest of the film. When Kamala returns from Karachi, she finds that the Dimension Hopper's British son, called Cameron, has powers too. It doesn't matter how he gets them. I would have preferred it if maybe his power set was linked to the plots from the first two episodes, but I'll give it a pass, you'll see why. Kamala is kind of in love with Cameron because he's hot, so she wants to help him escape the damage control agents. Kamala, Nakia, Bruno, and Cameron team up with Kamala's brother at the high school in order to take on the damage control agents. The show immediately feels like episodes 1 and 2 again as the fun visuals reappear, the music returns, and Bruno and Nakia start to use some of the things they've learned in their plot lines. Eventually the gang are cornered by damage control agents and led outside where a huge number of citizens have arrived to watch. They include, Kamala's parents, the Sheik, and a number of other characters who we've been introduced to across the show. The fact that the citizens of the city feel real, that we know their personalities and their connection to Kamala males the fact that they all came out to help her hit harder. I worried that Camron gaining powers would lead to a final confrontation with two identical powers facing off, think Iron Man or Black Panther, instead, the fact that the two have such different ideologies, Camron angered by his mother abandoning him, means that they clash over how to stop the damage control agents with Cameron killing and Kamala merely moving away. This is never explicit, Kamala doesn't stop and explain that this is wrong, instead, she stops his attacks and discusses the problem before helping him escape. Cameron isn't the villain he is a character who experiences development as part of the story, he's flawed yet not evil. But damage control aren't finished and so the people of New Jersey go one step further than the people of New York. They rally together and help Kamala, instead of merely cheering for Spider-Man. Once again, This show, and Thor 4, show that Marvel wants its audience to be a part of the story and it works so well here. Once all this is over, Kamala has a chat with her father who gives her the name Ms. Marvel, like Iron Man before her, this name feels earned and carries a heft when it's given. The final scene of the series reveals that the bracelet Kamala wears merely unlocked a genetic mutation, and then the 97 X Men theme plays. I am happy to admit that I lost my mind, it made me excited for the next project in a way that the end of Doctor Strange 2 certainly didn't. Although it does mean that all of the pointless stuff going on in Karachi could have been avoided completely as I would have happily accepted the mutant explanation. The post credit scene has Brie Larson back as Captain Marvel a character I've never enjoyed very much and I don't hold much hope that the elements of Ms. Marvel that I enjoyed will continue into the Marvels, but who knows. Overall Ms. Marvel has 3.5 good episodes out of 6 which I guess means it's more good than bad. If I watch it again then I'll skip Eps 4 and 5 but I have to give Ms. Marvel a 7 five-tenths.